You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, as the man said, in Irvine. I'm Claudia Shamba, your hostess for Ask a Leader. We'll be right back in just a moment. listening to KUCI on Ask a Leader. Uh, this morning, I'm delighted to have as our for our program today um, a number of, we're, we're going to cover a lot of bases. First, uh, we're going to um, talk with La Leche League, a board member and um, the publicity chair for an upcoming conference this weekend at in Newport Beach, celebrating its 50th year in Southern California, Nevada, with the symposium hosted this weekend. And after talking with the Led Leche League leader and local board member, we'll turn our attention to honoring local veterans, Marines Jack William IV and David Curry, who served in Operation Iraqi Freedom, and who will be a part of tomorrow night's Military Student and Veteran Appreciation Dinner. More about all that in just a moment. Welcome back to Ask a Leader. My first guest is, as promised, Ms. Sharon Fairborn, La Leche League leader and local La Leche League board member, and as I said earlier, publicity chair for the upcoming conference. She's now a retired educator from the Newport Mesa School District, and uh, La Leche League is now celebrating its 50th year in Southern California. Welcome to the show, Sharon. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm so glad you're available today. Uh, it was an auspicious uh Pointer, one of my favorite listeners, was telling me about this uh, event coming up and all of the years that you'll be honoring of providing for mothers and families alike. Well, let's, Sharon, let's first talk about the basic charter of La Leche League, established first in 1956. Tell us a little bit about those seven original leaders that founded this organization in that Chicago suburb, Franklin Park. Well, like you said, it started in 1956. Two moms uh, were sitting around at a park, Mary Ann Thompson and Mary White, and other moms came up to them and said, gee, we would like to, nurse, to breastfeed our babies, and we're finding it difficult. So a few more friends came together, Mary Ann Kerwin, Mary Ann Cahill, Viola Lennon, and um, got together, and, they, and Betty Wagner, and they formed the first Lelechi League at a picnic and from there on, it's become an international organization. A very large and, picnic. Uh, it's a small picnic, and, and actually at the 50th anniversary five years ago, because it's now it's 55 years old, they had a huge picnic and, and had all the founding mothers who, um, there, and women from all over the world came for a picnic back in Franklin Park uh, in Illinois. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, you've seen it. A lot over the time here in your involvement. How have there been changes over the years? For instance, when you became an active and uh, leader, and later when you were able to support your own daughter in this womanly art. Well, I think the basic premise of the Leche League is mother to mother helping. Um, 
the actual mission of the Lechi League is uh, to help mothers to mothers, and that has not changed. That has remained the same because Murph's still mothers worldwide, helping breastfeeding mother to mother to support, encourage, and give information and encouragement to afford a, to a to promote a better understanding of breastfeeding. So the actual mission has not changed. Um, there are more mothers now breastfeeding than there were 40, 50, 55 years ago. So that tune? is a wonderful change. You were talking more maybe about 75 promoting it. Of yes. course, like the Surgeon General and other important people throughout the world are supporting breastfeeding, and that has made a difference. Well, and we're going to talk about the Surgeon General in just a bit. Um, we're talking, if you've just tuned in, to Sharon Fairborn, local La Leche League leader and board president, and as I said, publicity chair for the conference. Um, well, let's let's do talk about that. Um, the La Leche League it certainly got a boost, I think, from the full-throated support of breastfeeding with the U.S. Surgeon General Regina Benjamin, releasing the call to action this last January, that's January 2011, right. and supporting the breastfeeding. It must have been a different sensation for you after the eight years of George Bush's administration <laughs> suppressing this public information. Well, I won't get political about this, but uh, I agree. It really has made a difference. Um, many of the founding mothers uh, still continue to work with the world um World Health Organization, I know um, Marion Thompson has done that for years and years and years, one of the founding mothers. The seven mothers who started that are called our founding mothers, so I will refer to that often. Um, Fine. And this has been just like a boost. Finally, we're completely recognized, and it's gone on to jump past the families. It's gone on to communities and employers and healthcare professionals can now help improve breastfeeding rates and increase the support for breastfeeding. So that has definitely made a difference. And she, uh, uh, Surgeon General Regina Benjamin, has, uh, you know, gone all the way from the individual to the, to the communal to the institutional ways of addressing, supporting, as she looks at it, supporting the mother, supporting the families in, in breastfeeding. And we can, we can go into some of those um, point by points, uh, if you like, as we talk about uh, what, you know, we, we've known a long time there were benefits. We saw, we saw how mothers and infants react uh, interpersonally with this. How, uh, but we learn more and more about the kind of... Um, you know, the biochemical part. Let's let's talk about every single benefit in okay. this particular well, one of the form. First benefits you get as the as the baby first nurses and latches on, as we would call it, is a, a substance called cholesterol, which is produced in the first two or three days and and highly high in antibodies to fight infections. And, and that's that it. is a very important part of breastfeeding. <clears throat> and then there are um other other benefits from breastfeeding it is provides complete nutrition in at least the first 6 months most moms will do nothing but uh, full-time breastfeed for the first 3 6 months it is it improves and increases protection against infections such as diarrhea uh, wheezing ear infections um Mothers who breast, breastfeed have a lower risk of premenstrual breast cancer. Breastfeeding can help mothers regain their pre-pregnancy figure more quickly, which is very delightful for some mom. Um, it is free of germs, it's ready on demand, and it is always the right temperature. So those are some of the quick benefits that, that moms will, will get from breastfeeding. 
And the the clustrum that you were talking about, I mean, that's that's the open and closed opportunity for those antibodies to uh, absolutely to be and given. Sometimes, if if moms can, we we always encourage moms to breastfeed longer than the two or three days. I mean, because that is our mission and our goal to help moms be able to do that. But if they could just give those two or three days to the baby, and so often, if a mom starts in those two or three days, she realizes. What a great bonding experience this is between she and her new baby that she continues so um, and starts off trying to do it nutritionally, and it turns out to be a wonderful experience. And many moms who have breastfed said, okay, I'll do it for a week or I'll do it for a month. And, and then all of a sudden they wake up one day and say, gee, it's three months, it's six months. And so it's something that just becomes part of you, and, and it's, it's such a wonderful bonding. It's a wonderful um, time to um, for the mom and the baby to sit and relax together it's a wonderful time for them to get all like i said all the antibodies from the mom and i could go on and on about all the scientific things but um well we want to do that too yeah. uh, when you're talking about the cholesterol though let's uh, for our listeners who are concerned about themselves or the mothers they know who have uh, either um uh, early um what do i want uh pre like a, a a preemie? A premature uh, birth, or uh, there are complications that require the infant to remain in um, critical or special care at the hospital. What happens to that window of uh, available colostrum? Also, 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 the mom can, can um, pump it. Can they pump that they that early? They can pump that and give that to the baby, and it would be in little droplets, so it would be very tiny because the smaller the babies, of course, the less they would need. But there's still that opportunity. Even if the baby is um, premature, uh, it can often still nurse. And um, there are other ways to give this important milk to babies. And so is, uh, are hospitals and other... Uh, well, now we have, in like, uh, with uh, Surgeon General uh, Benjamin, one of the things they are now having are the hospitals have become more baby-friendly by taking steps that are recommended by, uh, by Who's Baby Friendly Hospital Initiative. And that will ensure that the maternity care practices provide education and counseling on breastfeeding. So uh, there are two hospitals in Orange County, St. Joseph and Hogue, that are considered and have been um, approved as baby friendly. And therefore, they're more apt to know exactly what to do in a situation like that. And you uh, and the mom can be feel more comfortable because they know that there's a procedure for this. All right. Well, that's good to know. Then there is that that backup, yes. uh, that contingency. And so, one of the things mom should look for are, are hospitals that are called baby friendly. And that that's easy to find out. That yes. they can find out maybe in their prenatal courses. Right in their prenatal courses, and like I said, in, in Orange County, there are two that uh, that are baby friendly: St. Joseph's and Hogue. And that's both St. Joseph's campuses in, yes. San, in Orange and in Mission Viejo. I will give them a plug today for being such good neighbors. <laughs> and Hoke Hospital in Newport Beach. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, look, very close. Will they be participating in some way in the conference? Um, we have sent out literature to them. Um, I don't, I, they might be sending some WIC people. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, most okay. of this is uh, our conference is, we do have some fascinating speakers who are doctors and, 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 and lactation consultants and uh, physicians and uh, the list of uh, speakers is just is awesome. Well, 
Yes, indeed. Um, and we, uh, we we rushed into that topic. Um, we can let's we go can back t- and see what else you want to say. Well, <laughs> let's. Uh, well, that's no. We will. Uh, we'll give it a full uh, hearing here. Um, but I, I wanted. I was impressed by uh, a dear listener who's uh, involved um, as a registered nurse and a lactation specialist. When she told me about, were you to break down the the components of breast milk versus the milk available on the market, uh, formula milk. You would find that that the breast milk is so much more complicated, much more complex. Yeah, it can't yeah. be replicated. She she talked about how many more Legos it would be to build that structure that is mother's milk, and I I don't know if you want to address that uh, well, in your she, capacity. She is a lactation consultant. Is more uh, um, informed of that information. I'm um, that's not my forte. I would not have that information. Well, I'm more to help the mom nurse, um, and I mechanics uh, sort of thing. Yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. And is there has there been any case too difficult for you? I have, and over the years of helping moms, I have never had. I I shouldn't say never. Most moms continue to nurse after they seek mother to mother support. That is the beauty of the Lachey League. We're all over the world. In Orange County, you can go to, um, and, and I did send you the websites, you yes. can go to um, Southern California. Southern California, La Leche League. La Leche League, and just go get to the that. website, yes. LLL, Southern California, Nevada.org, and you can find out where leaders are throughout Southern California. And if you're in Northern California, there's something similar. In every state, there's something similar. In every country, there's something similar. So you can always find a little HA League leader either on the Internet or even in the phone. We have an 800 number that you can call, and you can get information from the, from the phone. And so that counseling is really important, too. So you're able to, even with difficult cases, you're able to get find out maybe what's the, maybe a mental or a physical or a and then if, and that's barrier. the beauty now of your friend being a lactation consultant she has more knowledge now she has studied the um, more of the physical and uh, physiological parts of breastfeeding uh, and so she can give information and, and do things and that that's another step past but it turns out that most or at least when the Lilachi League um, um, started the lactation consultant yes. situation, yes. which were started by two Lelechi League leaders, Shelley Marmat and Ellen Shell. Um, that's, they were, most of them at that time were, were Lelechi leaders. Now, not all lactation consultants were Lelechi League leaders first, but very often they wore both hats. I can, I can see where that would carry through. One well, would carry through to the other, yes. Yes, exactly. Well, um, and there's also the number that um, people can call for help, I, I believe it's area code 714-965-1182. For, that's the local Leche League yes. uh, Orange County chapter. So I think a dial probably, if, if a mother's nursing and having difficulties, it's going to be easier for her to reach for the phone. Right, and ask. And there's always <laughs> somebody on call. We take turns in Orange County having um, the leaders that would like to have t- take turns, and there usually are two or three people on. So wow. she will be given two or three on numbers. And uh, hopefully a leader will call back soon, and please advise them if they don't to call again, because sometimes they're busy with their babies. Indeed. And this is a service available through volunteer. 
for free, and it's available around the clock. Around the clock. So there's no hesitation, ladies, if you are friends of yours, uh, to reach out for this help so that you can make the, the most of this opportunity. Right. And like I said, and also you can go to the website and find a list in your area. If you just go to scroll down on your website, you can find, um, it says group contact information. And if you happen to uh, want a phone number in greater Long Beach or in Orange County or in San Diego, there's also a, a number for you to call in all those areas. And so that's really nice, too. You just gave the Orange County one, but there's one in all over this when Whittier, Santa Barbara, Antelope Valley. So if you go to that, you'll find all the phone numbers. Or for anybody streaming live on KUCI.org and you're way out of this region, you have your La Leche League Association near you, and uh, we're here to say that right. it's... Uh, and also there are uh, Spanish. You can also find leaders who speak Spanish and uh, American Sign. So we try to do the whole spectrum of uh, helping moms. Are there Vietnamese speakers? Um, not now, but we're working on that. Because I, I think that uh, I had... That's another area to work on, yes. We keep improving and keep uh, reaching out more and more all the time. Now, actually, this makes me wonder, are there, uh, with the the, uh, the nationally born, um, uh, foreign born, I mean, uh, uh, households, are you finding uh, some different cultural attributes to people that yes, are coming on board? Yes, you know, a lot of um, the Spanish-speaking, you know, nursing to them is, um, is really uh, uh, culturally acceptable. So we're finding a lot of moms who this is just like they don't have to think about it. This is something that's been handed down from generations. So that's that's wonderful to see. And we and you will see this weekend when we're having our conference, there'll be a diverse population there of moms from all over. And um, in your experience, are there some who are having a a a, a um, palpable sort of a barrier toward nursing coming from other sections around the world? Um, I cannot really answer that because I have not seen that personally. Um, okay. Usually when you, do, when you lead meetings, you lead them in your area. I'd probably have to ask leaders who are more in the, say, Los Angeles area or areas that would have more of a diverse population. I'd, I would be interested in, you know, in our... Um Oh, I don't know. Anyone around the, our, our Arab friends, our Persian friends, our uh, Pacific Rim friends, uh, all the way around the Pacific Rim, if there's a variation, we can, th- now, that would I be interesting to know. we do have a very active leader who, you know, the, we, we have the different religions. We have all the Muslims. We have a lot of them coming to our meetings and being very active as leaders. Is that right? Okay. We do have Japanese leaders. When there was the Japanese um, Tsami, we did a lot there because we have Japanese leaders here. So, you know, we are, there are women from all cultures. And of course, since this is an international organization, you have leaders all over the world. That's really extraordinary. I mean, it's just wonderful. Um, when I've traveled, um, you know, I've been able to contact leaders in different countries. It's been really nice. Very, very good. And um, while well, we were talking a little bit about the, the very special qualities and attributes of mother's milk, I, I want to encourage listeners to look up on um, their various sources on the web. I, I looked up Wikipedia, and I was bowled over yes. with the kind of detail with the, the composition of the milk. It's, it changes from the earliest parts of nursing uh, with the newborn into later into the next weeks or the months. It varies with what uh, the women are eating to some extent. As, yes. It varies with uh, what the the baby is first nursing at the with the full breast versus what 
the the baby is getting at the, when the breast is emptied out and that kind of a thing and and I'm I you know it's just it's, it's very well educated very well done <laughs> it's well it's uh, it's it's all those resources out there we just need to hunt yes. them down and it's a uh, it's a real marvel to look it up folks yes. so, and I'm hoping that you know more expecting moms just don't if they would you know do more have look up more information than the one breastfeeding class they get at uh, the hospital. Because you cannot learn all you can from one breastfeeding class. You know, like you said, you looking it up on, on the computer, going to um, more classes. Um, and that... Going to, they have the Lechi meetings uh, throughout, well, actually throughout the world, but if you just take our area, there are, um, in Orange County alone, we have probably 30 groups in different, in different cities, Whittier, Laguna, Fountain Valley, Huntington Beach, that they can attend meetings and get more information. And those are the leaders who are running the meetings who will be talking to you on the phone. But then again, that's another area for you for moms to go to to get more information is the uh, Lecha League meetings. And I uh, also... Um one, uh, just to remind or let listeners know, we're talking to Sharon Fairborn. Um, she is a local Leche League leader and board member, at, uh, resident of Newport Beach. We're talking about um, the benefits of nursing here, uh, here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and streaming live on KUCI.org. And um, I wanted to remind... Um, or make sure we we gave a little plug too for that all important uh, ever present book, the womanly art of oh. breastfeeding. That La Leche League. I don't know if you produ- help produce part of that, or that's that's your main stamps. That, well, that book. is La Leche League and the womanly art are um, you know like synonymous almost. The um, the first book was published in 1958, oh and it was kind of handwritten. Ah. And now we are into the, the last one just came out, and it's into the eighth edition, and it's the leading source of breastfeeding support and information. We know that young mothers or new mothers have uh, a lot to look up. They don't have that right. necessarily and that. Book, and, you know, when you have, the book will be available at the bookstore because there's going to be a wonderful bookstore at the conference, and it's also available if you're not coming, you can't come to the, through um, the, any bookstore, you know, online, um, through the Leche League International, through, I don't want to give other places plugs, but... um, We can do that. (laughs) It's for a good book. But it's a wonderful book, and it's a great book, too, because it starts off before, and and I'm just looking at this, um, the index here, and it... It's a book to take to the hospital because so often oh, moms yes. uh, have questions, but they don't realize just what kind of questions they have. And it talks about new beginning, is best feeding right, building your network, birth, latching on. And it goes on and has a section for dads because often they are forgotten and they need a part two to know what's happening so they can be uh, helpful. But um, it's a great book to have before you start to, to nurse and to take to the hospital with you so you have a reference right there. And I think um, when I was plugging some of the uh, Wikipedia and other sorts of sources, I would like for for everyone to take a look at what the U.S. Surgeon General, both on her ussurgeongeneral.gov website and on the Health and Human Services websites, all of the attributes of the breastfeeding as well as what every level of community surrounding the mother and infant can do to encourage 
them to make the most of yeah, this. And I think, I think that has made the difference is that, 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 that she has gone out to asking communities to improve, to health systems to ensure um, maternity care providers have give education and consulting, and that the clinicians will are trained and the employers are working toward establishing a paid maternity leave. Um, I th- and families that give support, and I love the idea that they said they want to educate the fathers and the grandmothers. Yes. Uh, I, I just read that, and I, I chuckled, now being a grandmother myself, um, that I think that's really important because if, if the grandmother hasn't nursed and she doesn't have the knowledge and she can be educated too, then she can help her daughter or daughter-in-law. Well, isn't there a little, sometimes when she hasn't nursed, there's a, a bit of bias for her to start Right, and so she can understand what's going on too. This is really, really an area that I think was just wonderful when they extended that to helping the grandmother. Indeed. Well, I think we've got to start talking about that conference. Oh, it's, yes, please. Uh, the, it's, <laughs> it is this weekend, this Memorial Weekend, and it is late um, in Southern California, Nevada, <clears throat> celebrating its 50th year in Southern California on um, the leading way in breastfeeding. It's a, it's a parenting and health care professional conference. So it isn't just uh, uh, all the information on breastfeeding, though there is going to be a lot. There are CE sessions. Um, and we're having wonderful speakers. It's, it has a Friday, as I meant, for, just for leaders, yes. so they can continue to be educated. And then on Saturday and Sunday, um, there are Jordan uh, J. Gordon, uh, Paul Fleiss, Kathleen Kendall Hackett, uh, Hatchett, and Bill Sears, Mary, uh, Martha Sears, Bob Sears, all from the Sears family who have written many, many books. It's going to be taking place at the Newport Beach Marriott and Spa in Fashion Island. You can register online by going to the website of um, Southern California LLH League or at the door on Saturday morning. Everyone's welcome. All Everyone's the way up to the welcome. last minute. Yes. Babies galore will be there. So if you have a little one, please bring the baby in, in a sling. Um, it's difficult with strollers because it's just hard to get around the so bring a, bring a carrier, which are wonderful, a sling or a, a backpack or something to carry your baby in. But uh, it should be, I mean, it's going to be, and it is, an outstanding conference. The leaders have been working on it for the oh, last two years since we had the last one there. There are over 400 registered right now. Um, and let me just give you a few. Um, oh, please preview this. Yeah, a couple of um, the keynote is by uh, Marion Thompson, one of the founding mothers of the Lilagy League, and she's talking about research proves what mothers have always known. She's the keynote speaker on Saturday morning. And then there are sessions like parenting adolescence, toxins and autism, considerations of extended breastfeeding, natural remedies for milk supply, mother-to-mother nurturing, adjustment to motherhood, there are there are CEs called the Love Connection Builds Better Healthier Brains, uh, the latest on storing human milk, uh, supporting breastfeeding in the older mother uh, through the uh, through the lens of lactation, breastfeeding benefits for everyone, baby friendly hospitals uh, by Karen Peters who is so knowledgeable about this, reading, evaluating, and ranking recent breastfeeding research. So those are all CEs. Uh, another one is season, uh, the, the keynote is Seasons of a, a Woman's Life. Another CE one is Research on Nighttime Breastfeeding When Babies Sleep and Maternal Fatigue. Um, 
It's every it's it's oh, incredible. It You'll be able to see this on a variety vaccines by Dr. Sears, uh, breastfeeding and working, safe sleep, um, grandparenting from a distance, nonviolent parenting com- communication, um, attachment parenting by Dr. Sears. If your mother were okay, um, bring out the best in your child and yourself, the art of fathering. You can see the diverse amount of uh, parenting conference, parenting sessions that we're going to be having. It really is all comprehensive, and there's so many different contingencies. I, I noticed there's on the website some what to do, there's some sort of stroller holding pattern and uh, everything. There's something for everybody here. Yes. And you also, we must say that one of the original seven founding leaders yes. will be there. Which name? What's her name? Marion Thompson. She is going to be doing this Saturday morning keynote Oof. as well as other sessions. So this is a very, this is yeah, a so major. She's doing the research proves what mothers have always known. Okay, fine. And she is also doing other sessions. Uh, and she uh, has worked a lot with WHO throughout uh, her um World of the Leche League in the last 55 years, and she continues to go to, she comes to this uh, conference, and there are conferences around the world by, uh, and around the country by other groups, Texas, Illinois, Wisconsin. She has gone to many of them. The founding mothers are always asked to be one of the, oh, are usually asked to be one of the speakers because it's such a privilege to have the young mom who um, started this great organization. Well, this, I wish you real success with this forum that you're making available to uh, so many different members of a nursing mother's community and it's it's we need to wrap this pro or okay. the program up today so it's time uh, I'd like to thank you Sharon Fairborn oh it's uh, been my pleasure and I just would like to invite anyone to come to the conference and if they can to at least look up the Leche League and uh, find out all the information about it and continue to breastfeed their children. Well, thank you very much. Good luck, and thanks for all of your service in with the La Leche League these many years. And um, I, uh, I'm glad that you could be on our show. Okay, and thank you so much. Thank you Have a very nice much. Day. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was a real treat, and we're going to um, then uh, transition to a much different topic uh, with the... Um, the veterans of uh, the Operation Iraqi Freedom in the second portion of the show uh, with Jack Williams IV and David Carey, who will commemorate the up-and-coming Memorial Day weekend with us and a special event planned for tomorrow. But we'll be back in just a brief break and various um, paperwork to take care for you all. The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCITalk.org.
Welcome back to Ask a Leader on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, streaming live on KUCI.org. We are um, in Studio A today. It's my pleasure and my honor to have with me Jack Williams IV and fellow Marine Corpsman David Curry in honor, as I said, of the commemoration on the UCI campus tomorrow night. And I've been wanting to do this program for a very long time as I experience the gap between military duty and civilian life. And with Jack and David's help, we will endeavor to close the gap, gain a better understanding of how to relate and aid servicemen and women in making the necessary transition from the closed network of active combat to post-military life, employment, and education. First, I want to introduce our guests because there's a lot to say about both of them. Um, first is Jack Williams IV, who enlisted in the United States Marine Corps in uh, 2006 from Waycross, Georgia. He volunteered for the infantry, and after training, he was assigned to the 2nd Battalion of the 1st Marine Division of, at Camp Pendleton, California. His first deployment was afloat around the Pacific Ocean. That's Okinawa, Australia, the Philippines, Cambodia, Hong Kong, Korea, and mainland Japan in 2007. His second deployment from January to August 2009 was to Iraq, serving in Anbar province, that is the western part of Iraq, and Nieva, Nineveh, thank you, uh, northern uh, western Iraq. And after four years on active duty, he ended active service January 2010, um, exiting, and that's a key word and among many things we civilians can learn uh, that distinguishes di different um, means of departing from the service. He exiting the Marine Corps honorably at the rank of corporal. He's a third year history major with an emphasis on the Middle East uh, at UC Irvine with a minor in political science. And he's co-founder of the Alpha Psi Omega Military and Veterans Professional Fraternity uh, at UC Irvine to be inaugurated this fall. And my, oh my gosh, my notes for, for my, my other guest, David Curry, um, is, uh, oh, I can't believe it. I have got all of his introduction notes where I've outlined them at my desk at home. He is a, um, he has served seven years in the Marine Corps, and I just jump in when I'm, um, I'm missing my information here, uh, previously at Saddleback College, where you had uh, set up a number of uh, veteran services programs and then uh, transitioned uh, to UC Irvine, where you were uh, studying, uh, remind me the courses. The double major in the sociology and economics. And economics there, thank you. And uh, then you were also institutionalizing various veteran services program here at UCI. You're That's a resident correct. with your wife here in Irvine, and she's also involved in some of this transition work with the veteran services. Yes, my wife uh, attends a social work program at the University of Southern California uh, that emphasizes military families and veteran services, which is a program that I will also be attending in the fall after I graduate this Where you, quarter. When you graduate in, in your double major, and, and both of them have been uh, uh, involved in getting together the uh, important dinner that will be uh, put on uh, tomorrow night uh, at UCI. I think registration is now closed, but... Um, the uh, author Nathaniel Fight. Nathaniel Fick. 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 I'm I'm thinking of a fight guy. F I T E. Uh, Nathaniel Fick will be um, the he's the author of One Bullet Away, uh, who will be uh, talking um, at um, 
as the keynote for that uh, dinner. I'm sorry, David, that I your abundant uh, biography um, is um, going to be chopped up a little bit, but I, I want to honor uh, all those things that you've been doing in the service of the country as well as in the service of veterans transitioning. Gentlemen, welcome to the show, Ask a Leader. We're going to call it Ask a Veteran for this latter portion here. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm and thank you for having us, thank, Claudia. Thank you very much, both of you. Um, I wanted to first talk about the, um, the this what we can do, as I said, making a better connection with the veterans. Um, uh, as I've said, uh, it's it now it you've talked to me. It's a very different transition that veterans from live combat are making from the zones in Afghanistan and Iraq. At, would you tell us about those differences now from the wars in the last century? The main uh, unique this factor... Is, this is Jack. Yeah, the, uh, Jack Williams. The main unique factor regarding uh, transition from the current conflict to the previous conflicts, this is really the first generation of a war which everybody's an all-volunteer all force. Uh, there's no more, you know, draft generation where you have, you know, the unwilling and the underpaid, you know, doing for the ungrateful. You know, we all, uh, you know, volunteered for uh, for combat or for service in the military. Um, owing to that, there's certainly less stigma associated with, you know, outing someone as a veteran or, or congratulating someone as a veteran. You know, that, you know, uh, generally people are more proud of that. However, it's still important to, uh, you know, retain some sensitivity when you're, you know, discussing these issues. Some people deal with uh, uh, combat trauma, PTSD, and it's important not to, um, you know, if you're not, don't have a personal close relationship with somebody, not to bring those things, you know, to the surface, especially in a group or in a situation that, you know, might possibly be uh, abrasive in a manner for a veteran. Well, Jack, as you bring that part up, um, I've noticed it has come up, but when I think about it, it was initiated by the veteran, and we can take we can take that lead from a veteran. So, once a veteran has mentioned something about some kind of disability they've taken, or if maybe a family member has said, "Our son here um, is considerably maimed from this." Well, what what do we do? How do we take the lead from there, from the veteran talking? Just just listen carefully, or is there is there a way to engage them more about that and take stock mm -hmm. of what what they're um, coping with? Well, I think it's a, it's a parallel situation to anyone that's dealing with, you know, some sort of trauma. Uh, you know, the first step is for them to self-identify um, and then to, you know, just address issues as they bring them up. If somebody breaches a subject with you about a, a negative experience they had, um, you know, it's okay to, to talk with that person about it. Um, inquiring and trying to draw that kind of thing out from a veteran would, you know, as a general rule, that's something that, uh, you know, you normally wouldn't, uh, wouldn't do. Um, you know, a therapist, you know, leave that, leave that to a professional. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, um, thank you. And David, did you have something also to say to that topic? Well, there's, you know, a myriad of different things. Like, for instance, uh, they have a list of the 10 things that you should know to help bring OAF and OAF veterans all the way home. Uh, the biggest thing that I've seen really in terms of what's changed is, like Jack said, you have a smaller you know, military under a volunteer service and it leads to a decreased connection between the civilian community and the military because less families feel the direct impact of military service. For instance, less individuals uh, are either impacted themselves or know someone who had a family member that's serving in Iraq or Afghanistan. And furthermore, even uh, you know more challenging, 
someone who has lost a family member or significant other that had served in Iraq or Afghanistan. And uh, the mantra comes up a lot of times uh, that the military is at war and the rest of America is at the mall. And uh, oh my gosh, uh, the the reason behind that, you know, is because uh, a lot of this uh, volunteer service, you know, you have a different dynamic because of the fact that you don't have a compulsory draft e force, and this leads to unlike Vietnam. Uh, particularly in Iraq, uh, you're seeing more frequent deployments by the same people over and over, over again due to less manpower. And this is helping create more transitional challenges because now they're getting exposed multiple times to combat trauma where in the past during Vietnam, they might do one tour just like during World War II. So that's the biggest thing we're seeing is you have a smaller condensed population, really about 1% of the U.S. population uh, has served in Iraq or Afghanistan, so therefore less impact on the families, but also them having to carry more of the burden because of uh, increased exposure to this type of environment. And I'm also understanding that there is a uh, the inverse of the proportion who are in live combat in a war zone versus, um, from previous wars and in these two war theaters now that, that there are more that are on um, in in the trenches that are in I'm, you'll give me the proper vocabulary but there, there used to be a large proportion of people offering service to mm. the ones in live combat uh, and now we're seeing sort of a, a the whole uh, inverse of that so that 80 90 percent are are in in act, uh, live combat and uh, there mm. are there's that large smaller much smaller smaller portion per- that are not in that vault. Particularly as it relates to World War II uh, in terms of just uh, studying the historical context of it, you had a forward and a rear area in terms of combat. Okay. I'm not necessarily uh, sure that it's directly uh, uh, that that much different compared to Vietnam to where uh, like it's more of a 360 degree battlefield. Okay. Is kind of the terminology to where uh, you could be in a support capacity on a larger base but still have uh, indirect exposure to combat from rocket fire, uh, uh, mortars, things of that nature, uh, where if you're in a rear area, like, say, uh, in Germany or European theater in World War II, it's possible that you had no combat exposure. Okay. Yeah, there are no front lines in, you know, the war on terror. Um, anybody deployed to a, uh, such as Afghanistan or Iraq is, you know, bound to encounter uh, some sort of incident at some point or another. So it's not only are there recurrent tours of duty, but much more intense exposure. So it's a completely different veteran that's coming back from these tours of duty. How how many did you do, David? I I forget. How many deployments? Two. Two to a combat zone. Right. So, and I want to shout out, if Nathan's listening or he's going to listen to my podcast, I know, Nathan, you ended up doing three tours of duty, and I'm I'm, uh, honoring your service along with all of those that we're, we're considering today in this program. Well, I, um, with those kinds of differences, um, we civilians, we have a role in assisting this crucial transition from that closed network you were talking to me earlier in preparation for the show, of a warrior to a post-military employment and education and civilian life in general. I just want you to take full advantage of telling us what we can do. The... Uh Key things that I can have. This is David list. Curry. Um, thank you. Uh, some of the key things I see is, you know, first of all, is the definition of a military uh, supporter isn't really well defined nowadays like it was in the past. Okay. With 
World War II uh, because of the fact that when these young men were coming back home from uh, European and Pacific theater, you had uh, a culture that was seeing things in uh, movie theaters that was, you know, why we fight in terms of one, to get a lot of these young men to serve and understand why they're serving, but when they're returning home, you had the civilian population that was working a lot in the factories as part of the war effort or just, you know, kind of maintaining the home front of what to expect when service members returned home. Entirely different. And it was entirely different culture to where then we had Vietnam to where you had a lot of different uh, political uh, responses to the war. There's a lot of opposition to where the service member got meshed in with that. And we learned in terms of a lot of uh, that generation uh, over time that you had to not necessarily lay the uh, portion of the blame for the war on the service member, that they were serving as part of uh, fulfilling their military obligations and following orders. So uh, society was able to make a distinction between that, but in the process, while we aren't necessarily denigrating service members and we're trying to recognize their service, we didn't necessarily come back full circle on what it means to be a military supporter. So. I have a couple definitions, particularly modern yes. day context. And the modern day context of a military supporter is an individual institution that recognizes the personal sacrifices made by volunteers who serve on our country's behalf to provide our national defense so others do not have to as part of a compulsory or drafty force. Wow. And then in some of this, in terms of I mentioned what has changed, so what can you do as a military supporter? And uh, it, you know, a lot of us as service members, we feel that it is something that trying to help this, uh, us define what it means to be a veteran because that's changed since World War II, but also the population, how they can support us. And it goes beyond merely putting a yellow ribbon on the back of your automobile. It's something, for instance, uh, seeing if your city has adopted a military unit and become a volunteer. Which Irvine has, you've told Irvine me. Irvine has. Irvine adopted 2nd Battalion, 11th Marines out of Camp Pendleton. And they become part of a uh, active duty military extended support network that supports these service members while they're still on active duty when they're, when they're on deployment, whether it's sending care packages or having uh, welcome home uh, ceremonies when these you know, young men and women return back from Iraq or Afghanistan. The other thing is you know, attending or helping plan a community Veterans Day or Memorial Day event. And there is one here for the city of Irvine. And there is one at the Bill Barber Park uh, this coming up Memorial Day. The other thing is, you know, because not everybody is directly affected by military service, finding out who within your community has family members, significant others or friends, or even themselves who have served in the, in the military, whether it's past or present. Uh, one thing that we did to help kind of build greater community on the UC Irvine campus was we did a project called the Wall of Heroes to where we sent out an email blast to every single faculty, staff member, and student and said that if you have either yourself, significant other, friend, family member has served past or present in the military, send a picture of them in military uniform. And then we created this massive wall that was on Ring Road for the uh, week of Veterans Day to commemorate their service of these individuals, but also brought brought a greater connection between the community and the campus because we were able to identify how this touched the individual students, faculty, and staff in ways that people hadn't realized before or had forgotten about. Wow. Yeah, if I could uh, interject. Yes, please. I can't, this is Jack Williams. Yeah, this is Jack. I can't, um, it's hard to define, you know, specifically what 
you know, the, the, the itemized, you know, things you have to do in order to support veterans. But I can give you an example of a place where people are, uh, you know, taking part in supporting their active duty and their veteran military personnel. Saddleback College's uh, VETS program, Veterans Education Transition Services. Thanks to David's work. Yeah. Actually runs off of donations from the community almost in its entirety. I'm not sure the, uh, the amount of money that's put into that by the school is a pittance. And the office itself at the campus stays open because several days a week, volunteers come and sit in the office of their own time. Many of them are veterans themselves from the Vietnam era, and others are just, you know, interested uh, uh, community members. The program goes and visits local community organizations uh, and essentially, you know, asks for support, and people come in and gather around this community and do support it. So if you want to support veterans, you know, people can use, you know, your help. You you just have to seek it out and uh, find find a little crack where you can fill in. Um, regarding uh, the change in the transition, uh, the Vietnam era, and it's definitely as far back as the World War II era, you got out of the military, one would get out of the military and immediately be integrated into a job market uh, that could use the skills that they had at that moment. As time has passed, the transitional period has gotten longer and longer and longer. And I've seen that, many anecdotally. More, yeah, there are many more pitfalls uh, in the transition. Um, you know, what used to be a, an exit from the military and a segue into employment within six to eight months is now many years of a process and getting an education and into a, a, a difficult job market. And uh, many veterans are atomized uh, geographically. So there's a lack of a support network. Many and anytime more anyone's atomized, there's so much support that falls by the wayside. It's right. really a, a exactly. critical feature of, of transitioning. So th- those are the issues that face us today. Yeah. Well, and um, I would like to know, both of you, had you your undergraduate work was done after your, your um, military duty? Yes. Both, for both of you. Uh, the majority of it. I uh, was in school for a short period before I entered the Marine Corps. You signed, okay. And I, uh, for those of you who have just tuned in, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, streaming live on KUCI.org. We're talking to Marine Corpsman Jack Williams IV and David Curry, who both have served in Operation Iraqi Freedom and who are actively involved in local veteran services. Well, we want to make sure that um, we can uh, give a, some due to the event planned tomorrow. It's um, uh, That's May 25th at UCI. It's called the Military Student and Veteran Appreciation Dinner 2011. I guess this is the second dinner, so the second annual? Yes. Okay. And so, uh, although registration is closed, there uh, we need to mention, though, that this is going on. Like, we know that, and I, I want to quickly, uh, just a moment, uh, divert back to the the um, Wall of Heroes, is this going to be an annual Veterans uh, Day ritual? I mean, you, you'll be graduating. You'll be back here, though, Jack. So will that be something that will be a recurrent yeah, we, ride we, that we will be done? Intend, we fully intend to uh, continue that. And I'm just wondering if you want a picture of of the men and women in uniform and in their civilian gear so we can we can identify, oh, that guy, I've seen that guy. They may not recognize you in uh, your full uh, military attire and, the, you know, so that everybody can you know, really know who they've been amongst. I, I don't know that we've done that in the past. It's a great idea. You know, because yeah. sometimes when you don that, especially that mm-hmm. cap and that that stiff collar there, we may, we may lose sight of you guys and gals. Historically, yes, what David. we've done is we ended up creating a, for each individual person or family member that sent in a picture, we had a bio page with that person with mm. their picture, and then we had an emblem of the seal of the military branch of service that they served in. So it would have their branch of service with their military seal, their name, their service dates, and then uh, 
who they were related to or who submitted the picture. So, for instance, uh, we had uh, one of a top-level administrators here at UC Irvine who had served in the military who was and one that? of their relatives. It was actually uh, a interim vice chancellor, Aldrich III. Oh, okay. He's around. Yes. And uh, actually one of his family members had submitted a picture on his behalf. And then we had a picture of him with his his name and his position who submitted the picture and then with his emblem military service, which I believe he had served in the United States Army. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, and let's, uh, we can run through, I believe uh, Jack set me straight. A soldier is with the Army. That's right. And a uh, an airman is with the Air Force. Correct. And the Marine is a Marine. That's right. Is a Marine. <laughs> and the, uh, I'm missing the, uh, the... The Navy. The Navy is... Sailor. The Sailor. So uh, my earlier Ask a Soldier program Veterans Day with my uh, Fort B-17 veteran, uh, I called that incorrectly. He, I should have said Ask an Airman or Ask a Veteran instead of what I said, which I, I won't repeat my mistake, but I will bear to be corrected on that. So that's... That's a marvel. And so with this dinner uh, that we'll uh, go back to that is um, put on tomorrow, the second annual uh, Military Student and Veteran Appreciation Dinner is going to be uh, Nate Fike, who's written not just one bullet away, but he's written quite a bit up about his experience. Well, he was actually one of the central characters of the HBO miniseries uh, entitled Generation Kill that was part of a Rolling Stone article that was written back in 2004 that became a book that later became the HBO miniseries. Okay. And it, since he is a veteran. Yes. So there's, there's nothing we need to fact check about his perspective on what he's done. And, and how about the, did the production hold with the, did it maintain the integrity of the original documents? Yes. I was I impressed so. with it. Yeah. Okay. So that's, then it becomes required. It becomes required uh, viewing folks when the, we get the, premature for the the veterans here well um we're setting each other straight i guess we've got to come to a close pretty soon here but i um i wanted to um uh well one thing i want to find out was i when i see a gold star uh, mother sticker on a car we've talked about yellow ribbons not, not cutting it but i remember just rolling down my windows a long enough traffic light i could ask her i said so i I want to I want to pay my respects to you, Gold Star Mother, and and it seemed to be it was allowed. I mean I I mean that was a heck of a barrier. We're in two automobiles and, and very short a time frame at a, at a traffic light. But so what's what was the proper way for me to uh, acknowledge her there? I suppose uh, you know it would be uh, proper not to you know say son or daughter because it could be a male or a female. Yeah. Um, Just I've addressed the mother herself. Right. Um, you know, we, we appreciate your, your child's uh, sacrifice. We appreciate their, their service um, would uh, be sufficient for me. The same, same with veterans. We appreciate your service or, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you for your uh, uh, thank you for the sacrifice. Um, the uh, if, if it's overly uh, ambitious yeah, and, yeah. and it's um, it, it comes off as, you know, somewhat uh, um uh, uh, abrasive in that manner, but you know, a, a fast uh, you know acknowledgement is is really uh, appropriate. David, I would second Jack's uh, comments. Uh, the best way I would probably say that kind of encapsulates that is something that's really simple. Uh, I don't know how many people ever saw the uh, Budweiser Super Bowl halftime commercial, where they have the Marine platoon that's walking through uh, the airport, and the uh, 
family or uh, these different members in the airport that are actually waiting to catch their plane, they stand up and start applauding for uh, all these service members from this platoon that's walking through the airport. Just a way to say thank you for their service. And then it cuts to a clip saying thank you for your service. And that that distinguished the moment satisfactorily. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, that that is a much appreciated. And those those are the start, folks, of what we can do for our veterans. And you can take up the cause. Their takeaway message is for um, looking about you with the weather whether the city of Irvine or your city elsewhere is involved with sponsoring a, a veterans group, a, a base, a portion of a base, there's a, at the Veterans Administration Hospital in Long Beach, there are always activities where we can come and be at the bedside or be anywhere along uh, in that in the corridors or wherever uh, at, at that hospital and help out. And if you know a veteran, you can ask them, what are they up to next and find out what, what you can do to um, bring yourself, bring your children, let them know that there's an important sacrifice that was made by these veterans and that uh, the children, as we said, uh, we can help them overcome this atomized quality of of all these veterans that are scattered after having served our country. Well, uh, we've got to uh, wrap up the show. I I want to wish you, Jack Williams, uh, good luck in completing your studies at UCI and inaugurating the Veterans professional fraternity at UCI. We didn't get to talk about that today. And David Curry, all the best in starting your graduate work at USC in your uh, double, well, in social work and in public administration administration there uh, and uh, with your veteran services work. Thank you both for being my guests on the show. Um, A lead up to what I propose will be a memorable Memorial Day befitting those who have incurred all manner of devastating impressions from combat. Thank you both very much for coming on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for being here. So I'm going to um, close here. Uh, we'll uh, bring on uh, George Rosales with George Had a Hat, and we'll talk to you next week on Ask a Leader. <laughs>